0: This is Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art. Because doing good work takes time.
1: I'm Chris Kreitcho. And I'm Steven Caradini. And today we're going to talk about Star, Star Wars! Wars! That's right. We're going to talk about The Last Jedi. And because this is an interseason episode, we're just really going to talk about Star Wars. We're not <laughs> even really going to try to tie it to anything. We're just going to be like, whoa, Star Wars, and whoa, Star Wars, and... We're going to cover both of those extremes in this particular episode. Uh, That's probably the least helpful uh, show description that you've ever gotten out of me, but that's actually kind of what we're going to do.
0: And and we feel totally justified doing this because, well, as I've had to explain what the podcast is to a couple new people I've met recently and they asked about it, I said, listen, technology, religion, ethics, and art, that mm. really means everything humans do, so yeah. this podcast is our excuse to talk about everything humans do, it's and true. that includes Star
1: Wars. Because there was a bunch of ethics and art and technology in the Star Wars <laughs> Interestingly, Luke calls the Jedi a religion for a rare instance, Mm -hmm. if not the only instance, uh, which I thought was particularly interesting. It is Uh, the second.
0: You are the. uh, There's a reference the same way back in a New Hope, the original uh, Star Wars. hmm. You're all that remains of their the Jedi religion, etc. But Uh consider this your spoiler horn, because.
1: We're going to go. talk ten thousand
0: spoiler spoilers, and unlike oh, yeah. the last time we did a spoiler horn and talked mild spoilers, we're going full on. If you haven't seen the Last Jedi, you should stop listening to this podcast right now because the one it. one thing I will say is that the Last Jedi managed to surprise me over and over and over again. And if you would like to enjoy being surprised over and over again. You should stop listening to this podcast and go watch The Last Jedi.
1: (laughs) So it's interesting that Chris, we're just going to jump right into it. It's interesting that Chris mentions that he was surprised over and over again, because I was surprised a few times in really good ways. And then I wasn't surprised in a lot of other ways, but it was satisfyingly Mm -hmm. not surprised. Yep.
0: The difference is that in The Force Awakens, I was surprised exactly zero times. And in Rogue One, I was surprised Exactly zero times. And so the the movies had different responsibilities, and we'll get into that. My point was simply that I was surprised a couple times by this movie, and that was different. That's
1: fair. The the Force Awakens, I was surprised that there was a Star Wars movie, period. <laughs> yes, so that like give you that. that gets a pass just because I was like, Yay, Star Wars, it exists. Yay! And it's not terrible. I mean, it was basically a redo of A New Hope, and that's fine. Because they were just trying to prove they could make a Star Wars movie after the first three uh, prequel sequels, which did not prove that they could make a Star Wars movie. Although I will defend episode one in entertainment value, but that is not the point (laughs) of this particular episode. A New Hope was not surprising because it was surprising that it was not surprising. Mm. (laughs) So this one did have uh, a lot more to carry on its shoulders. It had to do something, had to go somewhere. right? Which the other one didn't. And if it had, it would have been exciting. But the fact that it didn't wasn't bad.
0: And that's something we talked about at, at some length in our episodes. Right. We, we're pretty sure this is the only The Last Jedi episode we're going to do. But we Should did be. have – on the force awakens and we thought that then as well <laughs>
1: it's true, it's true. Uh,
0: but yeah the thing that i'll say most positively about the last jedi is perhaps also what has caused a lot of the controversy about it on the interwebs and that is that it was quite willing to break with the past now i don't think it broke with the past as aggressively aggressively <laughs>
1: and beat you over the head, Lee, as possible. (laughs) Right. I wouldn't actually say that. To the point where the villain literally screams it at the protagonist.
0: (laughs) Which is why I wouldn't actually say that it does what some people think it does, because those are the villain's words, and the protagonist says no. But Uh, the movie definitely is willing to say, hey, guys, we're doing something new here. And I loved that. But I think it's fair to say that, That has been extremely polarizing in fan reactions to it. And even in my own family, reactions to it have been uh, more mixed.
1: (laughs) My wife liked it. I loved it.
0: But the the reactions have been mixed.
1: Yeah. So I thought it was great. I gave it a solid 7.5 out of 10 walking out of the theater. And for different reasons, I still give it a 7.5 out of 10 uh, (laughs) a couple weeks later. That's real good for a movie from me, because I am not the world's most interested and patient movie watcher. (laughs) Right. And it wasn't a 10 out of 10, like Arrival Mm -hmm. was, which if you haven't seen, you should go see. That's a movie and a half right there. So... I gave it a 7.5, solid walking out of the theater. And so I enjoyed it then, as I've been thinking about it, I've enjoyed it thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I think the things that lose the 2.5 for me were that, one, The Empire Strikes Back was better at being this movie than this movie was, (laughs) in that this is the second part of a big sweeping saga. And it's inevitable that you're going to be comparing... Uh, these pieces to each other based on where they fall in their respective trilogies that's just unavoidable for me the other thing that draws me away from giving it more marks is that it sort of wants to go somewhere but doesn't have all the legs to get there they they held back partially because they wanted to create an entertaining romp, partially because they didn't want to alienate all the fans who weren't ready for new Star Wars, and partially because they had the constraints of the previous story, Episode 7, to work with. Right. If they had some other starting point, this could have been a super weird movie, and I would have been <laughs> all about that. Like, yeah. I'm at... I'm at a phase in my movie watching life where I just want to see something new and interesting. It doesn't have to be explodey and big. I just want to see a story I've never seen before. Right. And at points, this was that story. And at other points, it was like, yeah, actually, I know what's going to happen in mm-hmm. that particular bit. And yeah, all right, that's fine. But I will say, Benicio del Toro's character, that guy. I hope that that guy comes back. <laughs> that was the one character. I was like, what is he going to do? Who is that guy? He doesn't fit into the Star Wars mythos. What is this? And that's good. I will say
0: I agree entirely that a lot of the challenges this movie had are consequences of things J.J. Abrams did in The Force Awakens. And I think Ryan Johnson did a really extraordinary job with this script and with some of the directorial choices he made. We'll talk in a few probably about several of just the most astounding cinematic shots I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie. Do you mean Leia floating through space? (laughs) That one was okay. (laughs) That was not on my list of most astounding. Uh, It was pretty low on my list. (laughs) I I didn't hate it the way some people did, but it it definitely wasn't on my list of astounding, amazing things.
1: I mean, I love campy science fiction. (laughs) That was hurting me a little bit,
0: (laughs) but I think that this movie had to pick up with, oh, look, it's a scrappy resistance band fighting against an overwhelmingly more powerful evil empire because of choices that were made in Episode Seven in Force Awakens. And I think Johnson did relatively interesting things with that that don't look exactly the same as they might have in Empire. The Han Solo-ish character of Poe Dameron mostly – is wrong at almost every turn in this movie. And in fact, yeah, even more than empire, the theme of this movie is failure. Everyone fails in really important ways.
1: Except what? Except no, that's the, the moral of the story. Everyone fails in really important ways, except like there's always a, like a possibility hanging out there.
0: Yeah, that's... I thought you were going to say except someone.
1: It's <laughs> was like, no, no they all no. failed, man. <laughs> no, they all fail. They all fail. But and, But the hope of redemption is placed right out in front of them at all right. times, which is right. a really good thing. And that's part of what I loved about this. It took that
0: same old formula in a lot of ways, and much as Empire did, it veered in a direction that was not like the preceding movie. And it said... What if everybody in this does their best and still screws up? Yeah. And that goes for literally every character. It goes for Luke Skywalker having a moment of weakness that he quickly regrets and tries to come back from that really screwed up the entire rest of the universe for, it looks like, at least a decade. Uh, yep. it yep. goes for Ray, who's the closest to not totally screwing up. But when Luke tells her, as you've heard in the trailer, and now that you've seen the movie, because you've seen the movie, right? That's right. You've seen the movie. That this is not going to go the way you think. He's right. It doesn't go the way she thinks. If anything, Ray showing up and... Trying to help Kylo ends up cementing his slide to where he ends up, not redeeming him.
1: And she gets away. Although she came real close, though. She did. There was a moment where I was like, oh, this movie's going to go somewhere super <laughs> weird. And then it didn't. And we revered back into Star Wars territory. But there were like two distinct moments where I'm like, oh, man, this is about to get super <laughs> weird.
0: <laughs> it did do the very surprising for a Star Wars movie turn of saying, Hey, so this guy that you thought was going to be the big baddie, you know, he's in half now. Died. In in literal in half and pieces on the floor. Died. And it did that in the middle of the second, at the end of the second act, instead of being the climax, which was also a surprising structural move.
1: Although I must say that cutting people in half is like Star Wars' favorite way of killing an enemy. That's like Darth Maul came back. Yeah, but like still, that's it's a thing. Like when he got cut in half, I was like, oh, well, that means he's That means he's bad and dead. That's how (laughs) that happens. So what I thought was interesting, and again, there there are constraints here of Star Wars that the black and the white are are put apart from each other, they're diametrically opposed. There's a lot of tension there, and that's part of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Like, if you like trekking across the universe, you should watch Star Trek, which I do and I enjoy. <laughs> um, and I like trekking across the universe, but when I go to Star Wars, I'm going to be see some wars. And so... And there was the, a lot of that here. <laughs> and there was a lot of that. And so what's interesting to me was that, one, when ray and kylo were fighting together Mm -hmm. i was like okay so we might get some gray jedi action out of this business and then when kylo extends his hand to ray to like lead the universe together as a galactic empire king and queen or emperor (laughs) and empress or whatever i was like they can't do that right like (laughs) they might do that like, they gave us an uncomfortably long wait before she says no. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man. Like, part of me was like, no, don't do it. And the other part was like, do it. Do it. What <laughs> I would just happen? want to see where this goes. What would happen? <laughs> it would be and like the reverse of episode two where everything went horribly. <laughs> do it. I...
0: I think that's one of the things I would say is one of the biggest (laughs) credits to Johnson in this as a director and a writer is that he had you doing that. He had me going, what is she going to do? Because she's lonely and – Without her family and mm-hmm. has been let down. Mm-hmm. He's lonely mm-hmm. and without his family and has genuinely been let down and they have a genuine connection. Yeah, except he murdered most of his family. Yeah, There's a, a lot difference. of his aloneness is on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, murdered actual dad, tried to
1: murder Jedi dad, murdered Sith dad. Almost murdered his mom, but like pulled up at the last moment because you, right. can't, you can't ditch your mom. You can ditch everybody else, but you can't but ditch, you can't your, ditch mom. your mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. But Johnson's skill in making you actually wonder what, wait, is this going to, is that going to be a thing? I liked that. And I, I enjoyed too. that I deeply about this movie and I wondering how is this going to play out with Luke mm-hmm. in the final sequence? What? Mm-hmm. What's actually going to happen here? Oh, holy crap. Did he just do that? Yes. And I, I
1: must say that the final sequence was excellently done in mm-hmm. that. I had no idea what was going on, which was great. And (laughs) it was satisfying in a variety of ways. Like, it satisfied Luke's character arc. Mm -hmm. It satisfied the the arc of the story it satisfied part of kylo ren's story mm-hmm. it was a really satisfying way and there was also a really funny joke <laughs> <laughs> see you around kid uh, there's that and there's the old dusting the shoulders off oh <laughs> yes yeah,
0: the dusting the shoulders off that <laughs> was the best my entire theater cracked up both times i've seen
1: it yeah it was fantastic <laughs> so there's it was great i i loved if if nothing else that whole last third of the movie where ryan Mm -hmm. johnson basically got to do whatever he wanted having Mm -hmm. finally thrown off the shackles of episode seven by killing snoke and telling them nope really ray is just a person from nowhere with the force that's fine the whole last third of the movie was so awesome that disney was like give him a trilogy let's (laughs) do it do what and you I want. super jazzed to see that trilogy. Oh man, am I ever. I hope it's like some weird, like, off-world, like, mining trouble turns into, <laughs> like, you know, interstellar, not extra galactic, because I'm tired of that, right. but like, just an interstellar war, just a small one, and mm-hmm. like, all these characters trying to deal, like, that'd be great. Have, a, be have some amazing. Jedi on both sides, like, both of these sides are right, that would be great. That hasn't happened before. Well, it has, but that's not... You're not supposed to believe that one side is actually right, so it doesn't count. So, I'm really stoked about that, and I think the last third of the movie was great. I will say, the things that I did not like the most were that one poor poor Holdo had too much to do and too little script to do it with. Yep. She
0: needed about another scene or another handful of lines. Right. Didn't need a lot, but it needed a little. The way I put it, talking with steven about this before and that i put it to a couple other people is she needed a little more gravitas Mm -hmm. and she didn't
1: quite bring it home Mm -hmm. i'm not sure the purple hair was helping (laughs) i was fine with the purple hair that's just part of star Wars thing. i mean twilex and stuff come on as my wife and i were talking about it i said five years ago or five years
0: from now it would probably be fine it's just that it's such a millennial thing right now that it
1: it pulled me out every time I saw purple hair. Eh, it didn't bother me. Anyway, <laughs> I, I thought that I agreed with you that she needed more gravitas or more levity, but they tried to mm-hmm. mix both of them too much for the too little that she had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I think that Leah floating, Leah floating through space was dumb. I know I know that had to happen. It was like important, but I wasn't into it. The visual effect there was not the most effective. And I think, in
0: fact, that was the single least effective visual effect in the movie. Not because it looked unrealistic, but just because it looked like Mary Poppins. And you're just like, you forgot your
1: umbrella. Yeah, it did really look like Mary (laughs) Poppins. It was. I I had a a bit of a connection there. I will say that while it was fun to see Finn and his new friend gallivant all over A rich casino world, it ultimately was a little too long. There there were a couple specific shots in
0: it, in particular, that were a little too long. The escape sequence with the Fathers was maybe 30 seconds to a minute too much. It wasn't like it was a ton. I was looking consciously at that specific sequence because I felt that coming out the first time. And so watching it the second time, I was thinking about it. And there were just a couple shots in that that they could have cut that would have dropped yeah. the time a little, and it wouldn't have felt labored. But it started to feel like, feel like, okay, we've
1: we've been doing this for long enough now. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, big budget chase scene—that's a thing. I, I let it go. I think it's my true. most chase scenes are too long. It's true. I think the the biggest thing, as I mentioned earlier, that I took away as a negative was that it did feel, for the first two-thirds of the movie, until that final third where, you know, it really does take off, that it was mimicking several, not all, but several aspects of The Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. And and that's a great movie to try to mimic, and they did it really well. (laughs) And so, imitation is the highest form of flattery, and away we go. But... That that lost some points for me. Now, what I'm hopeful for and what I'm hoping we can transition to here unless you have any other specific concerns is where this goes next. So do you have any other concerns? I have a couple. I also wanted to call out a couple of the highlights that I hadn't
0: touched on yet. Concerns-wise, I would agree with you about those it doesn't rub me as much the way it echoed empire because it pivoted so hard at the end. And so I, I'm more inclined to give him that as a setup for a
1: pivot. Dude, it was like an hour and 45 minutes of that though. <laughs> such a I liked long liked Because, because it was such a good setup for the pivot. There you go. All right. I'll, I'll accept that.
0: But I want to call out a number of shots in the movie as well as. Yeah. A lot of the acting here was solid to good. Yeah. Mark Hamill is and always has been much better than people gave him credit for, and he showed it here. That's true. Uh, As the incomparable panelists noted a few years ago when they talked through The Empire Strikes Back, Empire itself only works because Mark Hamill makes you believe that a Muppet is an actual Jedi Master. And that's all Mark Hamill. He does the same (laughs) thing here. (laughs) He's also really good acting across from Daisy Ridley throughout. He is really good at that. He's really good in his one-shot interaction with Carrie Fisher. That scene was really sweet and really well done. Props to Carrie Fisher for her contributions to the script there. Mm. And then his interactions with Adam Driver were just phenomenal as well. Yeah, this was Luke's movie. It was. And as well as Harrison Ford pulled off Han Solo in... The Force Awakens, and he was really fabulous there. Mark Hamill pulled off Luke here really fabulously. I also want to say that Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver just hit it out of the park. And every scene with them in it, especially with them across from each other, was phenomenal.
1: Yeah. With what they gave her to work with, she did a great job. I felt that they didn't actually give her that much to do, even though she's like the main character. But that's a function of... A lot of other things that we've already talked about. They were trying to cram a lot in. right? And so I just want
0: to say, as good as the movie was in general, those scenes and sequences I right. loved. And they, those scenes and sequences, I wondered after the first viewing, and now I'm pretty comfortable saying after the second viewing, are my favorite scene and sequence in any Star Wars movie. Mm. With one thing to set, set over them, which is the most beautiful shot that exists in star Wars period, which is when Holdo jumps to light speed through the dread knot and it goes to dead silence and it is gorgeous and it is perfectly executed. And I loved mm-hmm. it. And I loved yep. that Johnson was willing to do it because that is not exactly your normal big budget movie fare as a shot. Mm-hmm.
1: And Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, I took the sound out. I think it's, Pretty darn close to monochromatic. Mm-hmm. And it's this m- bubble of sort of destructive zen in the middle of this big explodey movie. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's definitely a beautiful shot. And it ends, it's the culmination
0: of a sequence that's really fraught for our characters. And yep. there's some falling action right after it. But that comes after the most beautiful. Yeah. Fight scene in Star Wars, which is Ray and Ben back to back fighting off Snoke's guards after Ben has killed him. That sequence was gorgeous. It was gorgeously shot with the tapestry catching on fire and falling around them and Mm -hmm. the actual visuals of that fight. I just loved that Johnson was willing to do those kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. there's other auteur type. Moments like that throughout the film, Ray yeah. touching the force under Luke's direction, which was also after one of the best jokes in the film, and then Ray in the cave, and those those visuals and different stylistic choices I deeply enjoyed.
1: Yeah, the, the long line of uh, Ray's was pretty great.
0: Mm-hmm. That was
1: definitely one of the moments where I said, okay, maybe he's doing something different here. That's... <laughs> And then with the payoff of nothing, I was like, okay, now you gain some cred in my book. Like (laughs) This whole big shot and the payoff is no payoff. That's pretty bold. It was. So I I approve.
0: Moving to our sort of things looking forward,
1: though, now that I've exhausted. So here's my deal. If you think about... Star Wars as collections of movies. Mm-hmm. So even though people hate episode one except me, episodes one through six are the story of Anakin Skywalker. Episodes four through eight are the story of Luke Skywalker. And that story's done. Like all those characters are gone, they're not coming back. This is the end of those two Skywalkers, Anakin and Luke. Even Kylo smashed the Darth Vader-esque helmet. Like, that's (laughs) gone. So the two Skywalkers that were there, their story arcs are over. So now you're faced with this being either the story arc of Kylo slash Ben as the last Skywalker or Rey as the once in future Jedi whatever <laughs> they do with her in the episode nine. So for me, it feels like they have a, a significant amount of work to do in episode nine, and I'm so mad, so, so <laughs> mad that they yeah. put J.J. Abrams back in charge of episode nine. Oh, it's going to be an awful movie. It's not going to be anything, even remotely what it needs to be, in my opinion, to get either of those two arcs to up to par with the last two arcs. Yeah, I can see that. I think my
0: two biggest concerns are, yes, JJ, uh, who's always been a really solid filmmaker, but hes I've never seen anything by him that I would call brilliant. And Nine, I would really love and I would really hope, To see it be brilliant for the reasons you just articulated. Yeah. The other the other big thing that we haven't mentioned here, but that is a really important thing, is that it's really clear that episode nine was going to be the Leia movie because each of the movies has this prominent focal emphasis on one of the original trilogy characters. But Carrie Fisher
1: is dead. Yeah. And it can't be. Well, so, I, I would guess, and I don't know anything about this, and I'm, they're not leaking this or whatever, but I would guess that that was part of why they ended up having to switch directors, is that they probably had to rewrite a big chunk of the film. They probably mm-hmm. had to it's quite possible. punch it in directions that the original director was like, that's not my movie, bro, and because <laughs> that's basically – in what I've read the the argument that they were having was, "I want to make this movie," and they were like, "No, you can't <laughs> <laughs> right and so I share
0: those trepidations as it were, yeah, I think that if it is well executed as continuing to play Ray and Ben across from each other, I think it I think there's all the potential in the world for it to be fabulous, but I'm not confident in J.J. Abrams to execute on that potential.
1: Well, and I'm not confident that what has been set up, as amazing as it is, can provide a significant payoff for either of the characters. I don't feel like there's much at stake Unless they do some sort of future jump and they add in some stuff that's now at stake between the two of them, I don't feel like there's a whole lot at stake for either character. I mean, right. the the main conflict and and difficulty for Ray is that she doesn't know who her family is, and that was announced unceremoniously, as is, uh, I thought, a really good move. And Mm -hmm. for Kylo, it's what am I going to do with my family and this difficult past I have? And the answer is laser it all. (laughs) Just, like, destroy it entirely. So, like, at this point, if this could actually be, in my opinion, a great place to start a new trilogy. But, like, they've got this extra movie hung over on the end. (laughs) Because what are they going to do? There's, like, 40 of them crammed into the Millennium Falcon, right? (laughs) Like, you know? There's... There's just a whole lot that is sewed up nicely at the end of this one that Brian Johnson definitely, you know, patted his own back a little bit and rightfully so (laughs) by doing that. But I, it leaves the cupboard pretty bare for, for episode nine.
0: That's interesting. My read is that there, A, and this was my expectation from the first time I walked out seeing it, A, there will be a time jump and B that the, possibilities because of ben and ray being connected in my head i've got a question of what happens if you spend the next five years with them accidentally flashing to each other in random sequences could you put on a cowl or something please (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah there's that for sure and so i think there's
0: there's opportunity there for it to go well i don't know whether it
1: will but but here's the deal you just described not a star wars movie you just described a star trek episode And J.J. Abrams has already said that he doesn't understand Star Trek, and that's why he stopped making Star Trek movies is because he turned them into Star Wars movies. J.J. Abrams Uh, likes to explode things. (laughs)
0: Yes, I think you could make a Star Trek episode out of that. But I think that what I'm seeing is more what happens after five years of that and where they both are with him trying to lead this and her trying to lead that, having – Taken the torch from Leia and et cetera. Yeah. Poe stepping into leadership, Finn stepping into leadership, having owned his rebelness and his yeah. more than mere loyalty to friends. I see enough trajectory for the characters all to be in interestingly different places to set up an interesting story five years down the road for them.
1: I'm not super optimistic. Yeah. But I see possibility. And that's so, the way I would describe it. I think that's true. I'm interested in and I you're right, they're probably going to do a time jump, but I would be interested in what would happen directly afterwards. Like, mm-hmm. you know, once they're like, "Yay, we survived." Like what happens? You know? Right. Like where do they go? How do they move on? That's the sort of thing that isn't told in any Star Wars film. Star Wars films are all about the big climactic moments. right? And that cuts out a whole lot of the character development that doesn't happen at those large climactic moments. Now, Star Wars is really great at turning large climactic moments into individual uh, people's emotional climactic moments, and I think that's one of the things that Star Wars does well. But the more that goes on, the more people are going to be like, look, we get it. That's how it works here. And so <laughs> for the love of Star Wars, I would love to see them start to expand their palette a bit and say, okay, here's a small, quiet story that's still set in a war, but is focused on something else. That's why Rogue One was so amazing to me. It was that I was like, great, this is a story that I've never heard before, That makes so much sense in the context of Star Wars as a whole, and has characters that I care about and are interesting, and is in comparison, although yes, a whole world gets pummeled at the end, in comparison, a very quiet little story. And that's really interesting to me. And so I feel like the natural trajectory of what Ryan Johnson laid at the foot of the next director is a quiet story about resolve and dedication and hiding and building, but I don't think we're going to get to see that movie. I, I actually agree with much of that, not least because
0: I think it would feel weird for a Star Wars trilogy movie to be that. And as much as Disney was clearly willing to take some risks and alienate some people with The Last Jedi aside, the most ridiculous criticism I've heard of The Last Jedi is that it was too formulaic, too Marvel-like, too unwilling to alienate fans. Well, it
1: alienated a massive part of its fan base. Yeah. yeah, that that's somebody who wants Star Wars to every single Star Wars movie to be the cinematic quality of The Empire Strikes Back, which is a great goal. Aspiration. Great and aspiration. This was closer than any other Star Wars movie has been. But it's not there's no Lee Bracket yeah. involved, so there you go.
0: But I think that one of the things this does that I love more broadly is even if episode nine isn't that, because I'm not sure Disney will take that risk because it would be a big risk. I think it would be worth it, but I don't think they'll do it. But it means that Ryan Johnson's next trilogy could be that.
1: I sure hope it will be. I mean – I would love that. And it's not that I don't want Star Wars to have war in it because, like, I get that. It's Star Wars. (laughs) But I want different stories of war. And there are lots of stories of war. I mean, that's why we keep mm-hmm. running World War II movies ad nauseum, is because everyone <laughs> had a different war, right? Everyone experienced it differently. And so I would love to see some other types of movie. Concur. Summary though, I really
0: loved The Last Jedi.
1: Yeah. Like it was I said, a great movie. Solid 7.5 out of 10. I would I would see it again. And uh I would say that even though I thought Rogue One was pretty much a nine out of ten, like because of the story concerns that I'm interested in, I think that for a mainline Star Wars movie, this was pretty worthy. Pretty worthy. And I'll summarize mine
0: by saying
1: this might be my
0: favorite Star Wars movie. It's gonna take another few years for me to be sure of that. Yeah. But it
1: might. It was it was pretty great. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get over the the multiple <laughs> teenage viewings of A New Hope on the WB at 1 o'clock on Saturdays. Nostalgia, man. So I just love that movie to pieces. Love it to pieces. Mm. Well... Thank you for listening to our thoughts on The Last Jedi. If you have thoughts on The Last Jedi and you'd like to dispute our thoughts on The Last Jedi, which is what Star Wars fans do and love to do, please Truly. please let us know at hello at winningslowly.org or on Twitter or on Facebook. And uh, we'll get back to you and say, no, you're wrong in nicer terms. <laughs> But still probably that. As you no doubt gathered, the
0: song for the beginning of the episode was main title, otherwise known as Star Wars by John Williams, who is astoundingly in his mid 80s, still one of the greatest composers working in Hollywood doing his thing doing just it just amazed yep and if you enjoyed the show and didn't just have arguments about it we'd love it if you tell other people about it season six is coming soon yep my best guess right now is probably early february you'll be hearing regular every other week or possibly even every week but we'll figure that out between now and then episodes
1: and thanks to Andrew Fallows and Kurt Klassen for sponsoring the show this month. If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can contribute regularly at patreon.com slash winning slowly. Don't worry. They didn't actually put in those weird fees, so you're good. Or give a one-off at cash.me slash sign slowly.
0: Until next time, thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.